We're in uh, Proverbs, uh, chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed word. I'm sorry, like an armed man. This is God's word. You may be seated. All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I am uh, very happy to be here this morning with you. Very happy to have this opportunity to share from God's word. Um, Pastor Kyle is away this, uh, this weekend with his lovely wife, and we pray for them that they are having an enjoyable time together and that they're um, not watching. I pray you guys are not. No. <laughs> we pray that uh, you're just enjoying their time. And uh, we're grateful for last week, Pastor Joe, was able to share and talk a little bit about uh, kind of what we want to do as a church when he talked about every life alive and, and what does that mean. Um, and we're just uh, just grateful to have this opportunity to share the word with you uh, each week. So what do you want to be when you grow up? <coughs> That's a question that maybe you got asked when you were, uh, when you were a kid and you know, if you're asked today, maybe you'd make some kind of dad joke about not wanting to grow up. Um, who's your hero? Who inspires you? What examples do you look to? These are questions we sometimes ask children, but not only that, but we ask them for ourselves today, right? Our examples, the, the people that we look to as heroes... These often shape who we are and what we do. We spend uh, not only our formative years, but our whole lives looking at examples. You know, uh, perhaps we read books about people that we see as successful. Um, people that we think, oh, they got it. I want to know what they have. How can I be like this person, right? Biographies are always at the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Bookstores, you remember those things? Um, <laughs> the front of the bookstore, right, is always the, the shelves with biographies. And people want to read about people, what they're like, their heroes, right? Well, in today's passage, we learn from Solomon that when we're trying to figure out what we should be, who we should be like, we should look at the ant. Now, that's kind of a little weird, right? Like, to me, I often think of ants as so insignificant, kind of. And the Bible says that we're supposed to look at them. It's kind of humbling to be told, you should, you know what, you could, be learn, you could learn a lot from ants. In, in the way that, uh, in the passage that we read this morning, it says, you sluggard. But in a different version of the Bible, it says, hey, lazy bones, look at the ant. Um, it wasn't my intention to come up here and, you know criticize you guys or call you names or anything. Believe me, understand as I'm here this morning that this sermon is something that God put on my heart because it's something that I need to learn and he's te teaching me about it. Um, you know, 
an ant, if I walked by and stepped on an ant, most of you in here probably wouldn't call me a murderer, right? <laughs> um, we, we, don't, uh, we think of ants as insignificant so often, and yet the Bible says there's a lot that you could learn from them. You know, ants are very strong. They can carry up to 50 times their weight, right? Now, I did the, I did the math on this. This would be like if I were to carry a hippopotamus that was giving a rhinoceros a piggyback ride, okay? <laughs> That's how much weight it would be if I were to be able to carry 50 times my weight. An ant can carry 50 times its weight. And when they get together and work as a group, they can carry even more. They can move even bigger things. The largest ant's nest ever found was over 3,700 miles wide. 3,700 miles of ants. That's pretty creepy. Um, <laughs> It had 33 ant populations with millions of nests and billions of ants. Obviously, ants can do amazing things. I had a great conversation with David this morning. I was sharing a little bit of what I was going to talk about, and he was talking about ants and bees and all these like crazy things that they can do because he, you know, they they work with uh, bees a lot, and it's like it's just amazing what they can do. So, what can we learn from ants? Well, this morning we're going to look at this passage in Proverbs chapter 6, and there's three things that we're going to specifically look at. Ants are self-motivated, ants are proactive, and ants are hard workers, okay? So the first thing that we'll look at is how ants are self-motivated. And this is kind of an interesting thing to praise. The ant works hard even though he's not reporting to anyone else. They're self-motivated. Look at verse 7. It says, it has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Um, I first shared some of these thoughts with our uh, teen group, uh, Shield of Faith, a couple weeks ago. And I was telling them that one of the interesting things about being an adult is there's really nobody telling you what to do, right? Now, that's, that sounds great when you're a kid, right? Like, it's, you're hoping to have your independence. You're hoping to, to not have to listen to people. But when you get to be an adult, you do have that freedom, but also there's nobody telling you that you need to wake up on time. There's nobody telling you that you need to eat your vegetables. There's nobody telling you that, uh, you know, you got to tell your brother you're sorry, right? There's nobody forcing you to do these things, but these good things that you need to do, you need to make the decision to do yourself even though you don't have a commander or an overseer or a ruler. Nobody's telling you that you got to go to church. you got to make that decision yourself. And luckily, you guys all made that this morning. I'm so happy. Um, if you want to live a healthy life and bring glory to God, then you have to take the initiative to do these things yourself. Uh, in my early 20s, my first, uh, well, my late teens and early 20s, my first full-time job, I worked at a um, <coughs> medical equipment company. And I was the only person from this company that worked in New England. Now, that might sound like there was a lot, but we didn't have a lot of uh, customers in this area. They just needed somebody who could go and, and do deliveries and pickups and repairs of any of the equipment whenever calls came in. Well, my only training was one day of ride-along with the person who was on his way out. And uh, other than that, it was just me up here in New England, right? And I'm going to be honest with you. I was not a great worker. 
I kind of let a lot of things slide, let things go. I didn't do the things I needed to do. And eventually it got to the point where uh, one of my supervisors came up uh, from New Jersey and he came up for a week and uh, she said, I'm gonna ride with you for a week. I'm gonna teach you all the things that you need to do. This is everything that you need to know about this job. But at that point, now it's on you. You have to make the decision that you're gonna do this work because if not, we're gonna have to find somebody else. It was a bit of a pep talk, but it was an important lesson. And for, for any of you who, like me, are often working from home now, um, it is an important lesson because you have to, you have to be able to, to be self-motivated and do the work that needs to be done. Um, but not only in work, but in life, right? There aren't people checking up on you and giving you assignments, right? And in the Christian life, we need to be able to make wise decisions even without an overseer. You know, in the Bible, it talks about how uh, the pastor is an overseer. And um, there is definite truth to that. And even, it even says in the Bible that myself and Pastor Joe and Pastor Kyle, we're going to answer to God for you guys. Um, because we're responsible for you and for your growth. And that's absolutely true. Um, but even as we work with, with you and talk with you, at some point, you have to make the decision for yourself. You have to make the decision every day if you're going to spend time in God's word. You have to make the decision for yourself if you're going to pray, right? You're going to have to answer to God about whether or not you were motivated, about whether or not you were self-motivated. Are, right, are you making the right decisions only when somebody is watching? Right? When you feel like you have a commander or an overseer, when you have somebody looking, are you making only the right decisions so you can post it on social media? Right? So that people can see what you're doing, but then when you're by yourself, no, I don't need to do that. I can, I can watch this. I know that I know that I probably shouldn't do this, and if other people knew, man, what would they think? But that's okay, I can do it. I, you know, I'm never gonna see these people again. Sure, I yelled out the window at that guy that cut me off, but I'm never gonna see him again, right? Are you motivated, are you self-motivated that when nobody else is watching, you'll still do what God wants you to do? Maybe you've heard the word integrity described like that. What you do when no one else is watching, right? But when you're self-motivated, you'll have the integrity that the ant has. Whether or not the ant had a ruler, the ant did what it was supposed to do. So, all right, you might ask, what is, what is that? What is it that the ant is supposed to do? Well, we see it in verse 8. It says, it, verse 7 said, there was no commander, no overseer, no ruler, Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The ant puts away food for the winter during the summer. The ant is proactive. It prepares ahead of time for what's coming. You see, when the winter comes, the ant is not going to be able to go to Ant Sonic or Chick-fil-A for ants, right? <laughs> That's not how it works. They have to put food aside in the summer because the winter, the food will not be there. Have you ever heard the uh, Aesop's fable about the ant and the grasshopper? I'm gonna read it to you. It says, one bright day in late autumn, a family of ants were bustling about in the warm sunshine, drying out the grain they had stored up during the summer. 
when a starving grasshopper, his fiddle under his arm, came up and humbly begged for a bite to eat. What? cried the ants in surprise. Haven't you stored anything away for the winter? What in the world were you doing all summer? I didn't have any time to store up any food, whined the grasshopper. I was so busy making music that before I knew it, the summer was gone. While the ants shrugged their shoulders in disgust and said, making music? Well, then go dance. <laughs> and they turned their back on the grasshopper and went on with their work. You see, ants knew that they needed to store their food in the, in the summer because when the winter comes, if they didn't, they'd end up like the grasshopper. Listen to what theologian Matthew Henry says. He says, we must improve opportunities. We must gather when it is to be had, as the ant does in summer and harvest in the proper time. It is our wisdom to improve the season while that favors us, because that may be done then, which cannot be done at all, or not so well done at another time. Walk while you have the light. You guys remember maybe when you were kids and you'd be outside, and I remember specifically, I can think of playing baseball or softball, and somebody would be moving slow, and you'd say, hey, we're burning daylight. We're burning daylight. Let's go, because you only got so much time, right? Once the light's out, you can't play baseball anymore. So the same thing is true in our lives. We're burning daylight, right? In our culture, we value second chances. We often even put things in place so that we're not, we don't have to deal with the repercussions of our actions, right? And trust me when I say I have benefited from second chances. I shared a story earlier of how I had a second chance, right? And praise God that we have a God of second chances, that he gives us, that he forgives us, and allows us to have other chances. But I want you to listen, and please hear this. You will not always have a second chance. There will be times when you miss an opportunity and it's gone. I remember um, about 20 years ago or so, um, my dad went to work one day, woke up, went to work. He was 44, had a heart attack, and died. That was it. There was no, we didn't know it was coming, right? But that day, I didn't have another chance to tell him that I loved him or to try to fix anything. The, might have happened between us. That was it. There was no second chance. Sometimes we're not going to have another chance. Sometimes we're not going to have another summer, right? The ant, when it was summer, he prepared and he was ready for winter. Are you proactive? Do you plan ahead? Certainly this is important in our material life, which is a lot of what this passage is talking about, right? The car breaks down. Right? You have a medical problem. You need a new water heater. Right? These things happen in life. We know that. And if we're not prepared, we can end up in debt. But not only is it true in the material life, it's also true in our spiritual life. We need to store up for when the difficult times come spiritually. We need to be prepared because they will come. Paul and Barnabas were preaching in Acts, and it says that they had to, uh, they encouraged the people that were listening, and they encouraged um, because they were, and this is the quote, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. 
We must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It doesn't say things are going to get dicey once or twice, right? Maybe things might be a little difficult. We must suffer many hardships. So how do we prepare for these things? How do we prepare for these seasons? Well, I'm going to give you a couple ways that you can store ahead, like the ant was storing their provisions in the summer. Some ways that you can store ahead. First, memorize scripture. In Psalm 119.11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have your word in my heart so that when the opportunity comes, I'm not going to sin against you because I know it. Psalm 37.31 says, The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. God's word is in your heart, and you know which way to go. Yesterday, during our men's group, Victor quoted uh, a verse from Isaiah 26.3. It says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I have held on to this verse in, in nights of anxiety, nights, sleepless nights of anxiety. I have remembered this verse that says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Okay, I'm going to fix my eyes on you. I'm going to fix my mind on you, God, and you will keep me in peace. That's what you tell me. It's a beacon of hope during a winter, during a winter of my spirit. So not only do you memorize the Bible, but you read the Bible, right? Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When you're facing decisions in your life, you can look to the Bible and the wisdom in it. Now, you know, when Tammy and I were dating, I didn't open up to the book of Mark and find in verse 37 of chapter 5 that it says, Mark, you should marry Tammy, right? Like, that's not how it works, obviously, right? But when we're dating, I can look at Galatians chapter 5 and see, well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, grace, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit of God. What does that mean? So that means if you have the Holy Spirit, these are characteristics that are going to come out to other people. Right? So now I can look at Tammy and say, well, she rocks at those things, right? Like she's got that. So she's got the Holy Spirit. So I want to be around her. Yeah, I want to spend my life with her, right? The Word of God will light your path. It will show you the direction that you should go. You're looking for a job, and this job comes up, and you say, all right, God, does, does this line up with what you want for my life? Am I going to have to sacrifice things that I'm not comfortable sacrificing? Am I going to have to um, make decisions that I think are, are not the right thing? Well, then maybe that's not the job for you. The Word of God will light your path. So we memorize Scripture, we read the Word, and also we learn Christian songs. These are all just a couple things that will help you to store up provisions. You can do this in the summer of your life, right? You can work hard, maybe when things are not so difficult, so that when the difficult time comes, you'll be able to have this food for yourself, for your soul. I was listening to an old song when I was preparing this, and it says, He knew me, 
yet he loved me. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. You know, those moments when I feel about this big and I think to myself, man, if people only knew, if people only knew the, the, the darkness and the awful things that I've thought or said and done, man, what would they think of me? And then I'm reminded, he knew me, yet he loved me. Jesus knows. He knows the worst parts of you, and he loves you. There's another song that says, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. When you're in a dark place and you think, I don't know how I'm going to go on. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I was talking to somebody this week that was having sleepless nights because of fear, right? When you think of these songs, when you think of these good Christian songs that says, because he lives, all fear is gone. Those lyrics can help you in those moments because now you focus on him. Now you turn your focus to him. Maybe it's lyrics like, when you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. In those moments in your life, when you feel like, God, what are you doing? How come you're not answering me? How come you're not doing these things that seem so important? I will trust in you. Right? These are a, a source of healing to remind us of God's promises when it gets dark, because it will get dark. These are deposits into your spiritual savings account, right? So that when the emergency comes up, you'll be able to remember them and you'll, you'll have that there. You'll have that to be able to face it. It doesn't mean that it will be easy, but it means that you'll be able to focus on God and His sufficiency for you. You put these things away ahead of time, like the ant stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest because the winter is coming. When you go on a cruise, that's another thing. You guys remember cruises, what that is, right? I think, I think people used to do that. Um, when you go on a cruise, they don't wait until the boat is sinking to tell you about the lifeboats, right? Right? They tell you that's the first thing. Well, I don't know. I've never been on a cruise, but at least on TV, the first thing they do is tell you uh, the, about the lifeboats and the security precautions, right? It's like when you're in an airplane. First thing they do is go through all the security precautions because it's not going to do you much good if they start telling you about that when the boat is sinking, right? They prepare you ahead of time. They're proactive, like the ant. <coughs> And it's difficult sometimes to work hard when you don't reap those benefits immediately. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5, it says, He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. You see, planting and harvesting is not easy work. Again, I spoke with David for a little while this morning, and he was talking about, you know, I... Got out this morning and got some stuff done. I'm like, got some stuff done on the farm this morning. It's, what time is it? You know, <laughs> But it's not, it's not easy work. It's hard work. 
and we know that ants are self-motivated, right, and they're proactive, but also in verse 9 to 11, we'll see that they're hard workers. Ants are hard workers. Verse 9 says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. I mentioned that I first you know, shared some of these thoughts with uh, the teens in Shields of Faith, and I asked, you know, do you guys, any of you guys love to sleep? And oh man, vehemently, the answers were yes, yes, I love to sleep, right? I remember my mom loves to tell this story about how when I was, um, the day I turned 13, the day of my 13th birthday was the first day I ever slept in. She said it was ridiculous. It was like the switch went off, and all of a sudden you started sleeping in late. And that carried on. I remember days, oh, especially in the winter, it was the worst, where she would be trying to get me up for school, and she would come in, I wouldn't answer, and she just yanked the blanket, yanked the sheet right off in the middle of winter. Oh, that's not a fun way to wake up. <laughs> um, right? But so often we, we love sleep. And I'll tell you that the time when I really love sleep the most, if I'm being honest, is after a hard day's work. You ever like, maybe you're moving or you're working in your yard and you just spent the whole day doing a lot of physical labor. Man, you sleep good that night. We talk about it with little kids when they're playing and they're running around and they say, oh, they're gonna sleep good tonight, right? But if you have a day where you don't really have much going on, you just kind of sat around, it was a kind of a lazy day, sometimes it's hard to fall asleep or it's hard to sleep on those, on those nights. God says, you know, don't, don't say five more minutes, Mom, right? That's not what we want. He says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And that, that phrase right there indicates like you're not willing to work. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Ants, they don't just sit around doing nothing. You don't see a lot of ants just sitting there, well, unless you've, you know, put out traps or whatever, you've kind of taken care of them, that's the only time they're not doing anything. Otherwise, they're going. They all have a plan and a function, right? They're working hard. They get their food, they bring it back to their hills, or they're building their ant hills, or maybe, you were, maybe when you were a little kid, you did like me once or twice, and you like stepped on an ant hill. Man, about 10 seconds later, that hill is back. They're working. They, they are working hard to do what needs to be done. One of the things I read about ants, it says that when they have a line of ants, um, you know, they're walking to wherever they're going, whether it be to get the food or whatever, and there's like little potholes in, in their trail. The, one of the ants will just get in the hole and let all the other ants walk over them. And they do this, they automatically know whichever one is about the right size or if there's a big hole and they need a few of them to fit in it, that's what they'll do. They'll fill the hole and let everybody else walk over them to get where they're going and walk back. And then they get in line and go home with them. They lay their bodies on the line in the name of road repairs. Um, and this is not only for themselves, but it's for the wider ant community, right? They're societal creatures, ants live, live in groups. And they do it for the good of the group. I read this, um, I read this article about it, and it says, 
Uh, one of the doctors quoted said, when the traffic had passed, the downtrodden ants climb out of the potholes and follow their nest mates home. Broadly, our research demonstrates that a simple but highly specialized behavior performed by a minority of ant workers can improve the performance of the majority, resulting in a clear benefit for the society as a whole. I can't imagine that ants are super excited to wake up and go lay in a hole so that people can walk all over them, right? That doesn't seem like a lot of fun. But they still do it. They still do what needs to be done. They aren't lazy, and they work hard, and not just for themselves, but for the good of those around them. They work with them, one another. Are you a partner in the ministry of your church? Whether it's here or another church or even the, you know, the big C church, right? God's greater church. Are you a partner in the ministry? Everybody has a role to play. The ants each have a role to play, and we all have a role to play. Are you filling your role? As a pastor here, I can tell you, like, we have some people here who embody these characteristics of an ant. People that, that are self-motivated. People that are proactive, that work hard. And it's, so, it's uh, such a blessing to watch every week people come in here and do ministries, and throughout the week do ministries, and they're working hard. And it's a great example of these characteristics of an ant. You know, the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what First or Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, if any wouldn't work, neither should he eat. And it's important to remember that this passage, while I think we, there are a lot of spiritual aspects to it, and it, it makes sense in that way too, but also there's material aspects to it. Like, you got to provide. You got to work, and you got to provide for your family. It's very basic wisdom. Don't be a freeloader. Don't be lazy. But beyond that, right, we can also say, all right, so a little sleep, a little slumber, so, so don't love sleep, right? When are you going to get up from your sleep? When are you going to wake up? What excites you? What gets you going in the morning, right? We need to find what God has given us a heart for and use that as motivation to serve him. In 1 John 1, 4, John talks about, he's, he's writing like an introduction to his book, and he says, this is why I'm writing this book, so that you may share in our joy. So that you may share in our joy. He doesn't say, hey, I'm writing this so that you can know how to follow the rules. He doesn't say, I'm writing this so that you can stay out of hell. That's not, he says, so you can share in our joy. I love this, and I, wanna, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to see it, because it's going to make you want to get up in the morning, right? They work hard to do the things that they love. That's what so many people here at Refuge do, and I'm so grateful for it. Sometimes they work hard to do things they don't love, and that's part of it too. <laughs> um, but like ants... They work hard. And if, you're, if you find something you're passionate about, you can work hard, and you'll be excited to work for Jesus. If you're lazy, you'll be blindsided by your poverty. Poverty will come on you like a thief. Have you ever been held up before? 
I've never been held up before, but my dad would tell a story of how uh, he used to he used to drive a tour bus, so he would drive groups of people to New York City. And this is back when this was New York City, not Disneyland, you know, like back when New York City was was tough. And he uh, one day he was driving, he was walking down the street, and he got held up, and you know somebody. He felt something in his back, and he said they told him it was a gun, and it felt round. He said, could have been a bottle for all I know, but I wasn't going to take a chance, right? Um, so he got held up. He didn't see it coming. It came on him like out of nowhere. And this is what it says here. Poverty will come on you like a thief. If you're lazy, you're not going to see it coming, but it's going to come. Life gets on you quick, right? It's not only true materially, but also spiritually. You can think, I got everything under control, right? I'm good. I, I, know, I know that I should be doing this, but I just don't have time. You know, I'll get to it one day. One day might be too late. You might not have that chance, and it'll come on you out of nowhere. Proverbs 20, 13 says, Do not love sleep, or you will grow poor. Stay awake, and you will have food to spare. Now, sometimes I feel like we kind of throw that around as like a phrase. You'll have it to spare, right? But I think it's important here. The passage that we read in Proverbs 6 is definitely referencing your personal life and characteristics that you should share with the ant. But a wonderful benefit of this is that when you share these characteristics of the ant, you'll be more prepared when trials come in your life, but also you'll be prepared when trials come for those around you. Materially, if you've been working hard, if you even though nobody's watching, you're self-motivated, you're proactive, you work hard, you might be able to have something that, you know, when somebody comes along and they have a physical need, you might be able to help them. You might be able to bless them. But not only physically, spiritually. If your friend, your sister, your brother is down, and they're hurting and in pain, then you can share those verses that you memorized. You can share the wisdom from the Word of God. Maybe you could send them a link with a song. A friend of mine did that for me yesterday. Sent me a link with a song or told me, hey, you should check out this song. And it built me up. You see, this isn't just a personal benefit, but it's for the good of those around you, too. There was a mother of a nine-year-old boy who received a phone call in the middle of the afternoon, and it was the teacher from her third grade, or excuse me, from her son's school. Uh, Mrs. Smith, something unusual happened today in your son's third grade class. Your son did something that surprised me so much that I thought you should know about it immediately. That is never a good call to get in the middle of the day. Pat was a, a principal. She knows it's not a good call to give during the middle of the day either, I'm sure. Um, I've been teaching for many years, and nothing like this has happened until now. This morning, I was teaching a lesson on creative writing, and as I always do, I tell the story of the ant and the grasshopper, that story that I told earlier. The ant works hard all summer and stores up plenty of food, but the grasshopper plays all summer and does no work. Then winter comes, and the grasshopper begins to starve because he has no food. So he goes to the ant and he begs, please, Mr. Ant, how you have much food, please let me eat too. And this is the part of the story where the teacher cuts it off and he asks the boys and girls, he says, your job is to write the ending of the story. The grasshoppers just asked the ant for some food. And your son raised his hand and said, can I draw a picture? 
And the teacher said, yes, you can, um, but first you have to write the ending of the story. And the papers came in, and it says, as in most years past, most of the students said that the ant shared his food through the winter, and both the ant and the grasshopper lived. As always, a few children said, the ant said, no, Mr. Grasshopper, you should have worked in the summer and not played. I just have enough food for myself. So the ant lived and the grasshopper died. But your son ended the story a different way from any other child. He wrote, so the ant gave all of his food to the grasshopper. The grasshopper lived through the winter, but the ant died. And the picture, he had drawn three crosses. Jesus gave up his life so that we can live eternally. You see, we're told to look at the ant and to learn from him. An ant has initiative, enough initiative and discipline to work hard without any supervision. He's self-motivated. He's proactive, right? He works hard. And part of the reason is to provide for yourself, but additionally, it's so you'll be able to help provide for others. See, Jesus had those traits too. He was like the ant. In fact, he had them perfectly. He lived a a sinless life. And he had stored up righteousness. And when the time came, he gave it all away to die on the cross and pay for our sins. Let's go out today and consider the ant and learn from the ant so that we can be faithful with what God has given us and help those around us. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we're so grateful for how you love us and how you give so much to us, God. We have so many opportunities. God, I pray that we would not waste those opportunities, that we'd be ready for what comes down. We'd be ready for for what we'd face, Lord. God, I pray for anyone right now who's in the middle of a, a storm in their life, God that you would prepare them and prepare those around them to help help them turn to you. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.